Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I am joined by the one and only Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? Pretty good. Pretty good. Got a, we're coming off of uh, what we call EndCon. We we had we set that up a little bit last week, right? Our our game. Yeah, game. yeah. Are you uh you fully recovered from? Uh, I think so. I think so. Twenty four hours ago, forty eight hours ago, when we when we wrapped up. Um, yeah, we've been through the details the last couple couple weeks, but we did not get together in person. It was in fact Gen Con this past weekend. Yeah. Uh, Gen Con online. There was no physical official gathering, um, but they did. Uh, not sell because they were free but they gave out badges you could register for and people ran events yeah and um, we, we did not that, really participate in that right yeah. no we didn't participate in that at all except the only thing i did is somebody told me about the gen con discord on thursday night and so i jumped in there and listened to their music that they played for a yeah. while yeah. over a discord voice channel with like 35 people in it and at a pretty low bit rate so it was a pretty miserable experience but we didn't participate in any of that we um got online on discord and played board games and a couple video games all weekend we would get going i would say early afternoon between two or three um friday and saturday um and go until midnight one o'clock depending on the night thursday was definitely the 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 where everybody hit it the hardest um it's typically our movie night, uh, virtual movie night in, in the quarantines. But uh, we only technically watched a movie. Um, Trotsky streamed uh, Young Frankenstein, and some of us watched it. I had two computers, so I had it on the second screen while I was playing whatever we were playing at that time. Um, and uh, And it was good. Do you want to... Um, well, just as a uh, to complete that thought of the overview, I'm almost as exhausted, at least yesterday, uh, Sunday, as I was from actual Gen Con. The only thing I didn't have was the like physical exertion of being on my feet, walking around in the hall all weekend, um, and the time commitment of driving three and a half hours down and back, uh, which is you know relatively minor. It's further than Bloomington, but yeah. closer than a lot of people coming from Chicago or it, or England, you know, Australia or something. Well, I, I had, um, I kind of had the, the opposite ish of that kind of experience this time. I, okay. I was, it's funny that you had said that like you had the same thing of Gen Con. I was going to comment that I, I didn't at all. I, I, I did not, while I had a good time and it was fun and I, I liked that we did it. It definitely did not feel like a Gen Con to me. Um, and, and that's, that's probably a matter of participation. I, I still worked Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Right. Like I, I worked mm. a full day. Matter of fact, those were very busy, heavy work days for me. I had a lot go on and I ended up working till I think on Thursday and maybe Friday till like six, seven thirty at night. I was still working um, and had meetings all day. So I was I was very heavily not in the game space. And then I also didn't come in on, on I said it was you said it was heavy on Thursday. I didn't get there till late and games already started. And then by it was they were long games. So I didn't do anything with that on Thursday and same with Friday. Now, Saturday I did hit it all day and that was fun. And I'm glad I did all that all day. And it was, that was very fun, but then we didn't do anything Sunday. So for my experience, it was just like a long day that we had games. 
mm. right? And and that was fine, and I liked doing that, and I had a good time doing that. But it, I was not exhausted. I, I slept fine. I don't think I, I did not go to bed any later than I did any other time. As we're at Gen Con, I'll get like two hours of sleep. I'm back up at 7 a.m. Like when we did this Encon thing, like we didn't get up early in the morning. Everybody woke up and started around one, right, or two. Uh, for for Gen Con, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to bed at three, getting up at seven, or maybe you know sometimes four, getting sure, at seven, sure. and like you said, walking for miles and miles and miles at a time with tons <laughs> of things, new people, n- games that I've never played before with new people, with someone who's teaching yep, me it, yep. um, and then the whole thing about the dealer hall. It's a it was to me it's just a completely different kind of experience, and um, sure, and I and I still sure. miss the Gen Con. But it it, <laughs> right, yeah, it, it definitely wasn't a, a replacement for it. It was, but it was a good weekend with friends, and it was a nice thing that I felt was good because we all dedicated it. That was the biggest thing: is that you have friends that were dedicating time to each other to do things that we love together, and that was really fun. Right? Yeah, yeah. I know for me, um, uh, I did a thing that is. It's a little similar to Gen Con, but also not at all in the same way. I've said often uh, that my internet at the house that I'm renovating is much better than the internet here at the farm where I'm staying. And so I, Thursday after work, went over to my house, and I have an air mattress set up over there, and I stayed over there all weekend. Until oh, yeah, Sunday. yeah, right. And so um, I did not sleep very long because uh, an air mattress is not all that comfortable compared to a real bed. And so I would wake up at a, you know, pretty reasonable. I think the first night I woke up at like seven, which is a, a good hour and a half earlier than I normally wake, uh, considering I was not asleep until two thirty or three. Um, but I would wake up, you know, even on the, on the days that I did sleep a little bit, I'd still wake up around eight thirty or nine. And uh, since we didn't play games until later, I did work on the house like nothing intense, like, a, you know, you know, still kind of took it easy. But I was still in this place where I was not in my normal place where I sleep. Um, oh, yeah, you had probably a whole different kind of experience. And, yeah. and so I was I was slightly out of my element um, um, the whole weekend, which oh, was, that would make it probably totally was, different. Yeah, quite quite a, quite a bit different. But um, anyway, did you did you have any particular experiences, games, or uh, so forth that you wanted to talk about a little more? Sure. Um, I don't know that you and I were in the same game too many times. No, I, I think we played uh, Scythe together. Yeah. Which digital yeah. Uh, Steam version of Scythe? That's this won't be of any use to the listener, but um, Humble Bundle did a Asmodee Virtual. Uh, uh, game bundle back in may that a bunch of us got i think for 12 bucks you could get like almost 20 of these games that are like 20 bucks a piece if you buy them individually um but yeah we did that saturday uh side and and that was is, a whole game that took like it took what three hours for us something three, like that hours? yeah it wasn't it wasn't terrible right. um it would have been faster if everybody had played the app before we lost a decent amount of time trying to figure out that yeah 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 uh so that i thought that was fun you and i had the had the biggest moments in that game where you you actually finished the game and and i I won that one but uh, we we did well i think 
over general and it, it was fun i thought it was fun it, like most games that are long they have their ups and downs and, and ins and outs and stuff and we struggled with learning the app as you said but um i, I enjoyed that i i actually f- i like it's funny i don't play scythe but once every or twice a year maybe in the two years it's been out so i think i played it like four times um and and i do enjoy it a lot and every time i play it i remember that i like it a lot um mm. did you yeah we talked about this after um Fox Dencon the last time that we were all at least for me I know you guys have gotten together since then but the last time that I physically saw all of you guys um or saw all of you in person that's the way that you say mm-hmm. that um so you were not in the the campaign the I was not correct the they did do a campaign didn't Scythe, they Scythe it's not Scythe Legacy what's it called I think, I think it's just Scythe and they just have a, a campaign like book in it. Oh, I see. Right. That's funny because as it's much like, as I like Scythe, I bet you I would have really loved that game. Now that I know, I mean, it was pro- it was probably full, and you were doing something else like Clank at the time. No, Clank I think was I was doing Lord of the Rings. Oh, right, Journeys of Middle yeah, Earth. Yeah, which I I would not. Yeah, I would yeah. rather have done Journeys of Middle Earth. But uh, yeah, cool. I forgot sure. a campaign. That's cool. I I, I need to <laughs> I need to look at that and see if there's like a campaign on the, on the apps that type thing. But. Um, it's yeah, it's it's very cool. I I I enjoy it now. Now that we keep talking about it, I keep thinking there's so many things I like about Scythe and that, like, the the I can appreciate game, not game design, but like game board design or game piece design, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, mm-hmm. I know that the pieces on Scythe, like if you look at it, everything is self-explanatory. Put thing here, pay this, right? It. It, yeah. it, everything was you didn't need a rule book because it's very self-evident and everything that you can kind of do yeah it was actually this is surprising for a for an official game i keep calling it an app it's a steam yeah. game which is an, an application, application technically i know people get weird about uh terminology but um the digital pc version of this was almost harder to play than the physical game i i would agree um, with that i think you're right yeah yeah, it, you, yeah. It does, you Which, can't see the whole board correctly all the time right and there's weird there's weird camera issues the biggest problem we had which apparently was a setting is that if you made a mistake like you were just screwed like there's no undo which if you're playing in person you're like oh i didn't know if i could do that does anybody mind if i like no it's still your turn you haven't influenced anything else on the board like it should be fine um and there is a setting for that. We just didn't know. Right, yeah. Uh, which I discovered in the single-player game. And I was like, oh, it's an option when you start. Right. Um, so, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I did. I, I do enjoy it. It's a, it's a fun game. Something I like. The two, I don't want to go into it because we could talk shows forever about it. But the two aspects mm-hmm. of Scythe, if anyone are wondering, that I like, enjoy a lot, is that there is very, very, very little randomness to it. So something about randomness right. in games is always a little bit I- itchy on me. Um Things are all out there. Everyone can see what everyone can do for the most part um, with just a few random card type stuff, which is very minimal. Um, and mm-hmm. you you know the goal from beginning to end. You can kind of plan the game from beginning to end with some player interaction, but also the player interaction isn't 100% of the game. It's a, It looks like it's a very... When you look at Scythe, you think it's a military game, which leads me to my second and only last point is that mm-hmm. uh it makes it feel like it's a big military chess you know i fight your army my fight army but it's not really 
right? It's it's no. it's you have two things that you're really encouraged to fight two times. That's it. The rest of it is kind of like making your own world. Right? And yeah. I I personally yeah. kind of enjoy that. You're, you're spreading out, you're you're building um you know, different units, you're raising up uh workers and stuff like that and you can get points uh for all of that stuff. Yeah, and and uh I always felt in that game, you always feel like when someone comes up and puts their base next to your thing, you feel that there's player versus player. I remember Zahn coming up to me and I was like, man, Zahn being right there feels really nervous that I'm there. But honestly, the game doesn't give him a whole lot of incentive to come and attack me. But yeah, there's there's you're sort of you're not disincentivized from fighting. But if you go full military, like the most you can get is three stars. Yeah. Like you could get one for building up all your uh, military power and you can get two for fighting. Now, I, I think um, actually there is one faction that can get as many stars as they want for fighting. Oh, now, sure. now that, that may, but that's like, right, yeah. yeah, that's a fringe case. And I think the, like um, the, the area control sort of racing tension that you get in a game like settlers of Catan or um, one of the other games we played that I know you weren't in, uh, Terra Mystica, um, is that because all of the units are mobile inside, like, I can bring a guy down, claim my bonus objective for holding three farms at the end of my turn, and then leave. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, you know, if I don't need that farm, I don't have to stay. I can leave, and then you can go in and be fine. It's not like, again, Catan, where I build stuff down and now you're cut off. Yeah, and, and uh, when you do have combat, losing combat, you don't, unlike other games, you're not crippled. Like, you, you're, yeah, you're mm -hmm. sent back home, right? So, I, you, you lose sure. some movement turns, which is a bummer, because the game's about turns, but you, you're not, like, you don't lose pieces, you don't lose gold, you're not set back, you don't lose lives or hearts or anything, you just like, oh, you lost and you don't, you can't, it puts you back in your move turns a little bit longer. Right. Yeah. You lost a little bit of progress. Yeah. But, but not like they didn't take pieces off your board. You didn't destroy your mech and have to remake mechs and stuff like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I enjoy it. I enjoy Scythe. Um, you played Terra Mystica, right? Yep. I, I know nothing about it. Honestly, I didn't even look. I guess I'm playing it tomorrow night. Give me a quick overview and then what you think about it. It was like a six-hour game. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the things we say about Scythe is that at first glance, it looks overwhelming. Yeah. There are a lot of little different bits, a lot of wooden bits, and a lot of plastic miniatures. Yeah. Not a lot, but a handful. Um, and then you get into the game and you go, oh, there are really just this handful of things you want to do, and you can only do one, quote-unquote, one. You can do, you, you know, you choose from from one of four options, and each of those has two sub-options, and, and you only do one of those on your turn, so it's really distilled down to, to making a lot of micro-decisions. Um, not a lot of them together, but a series of like, well, I have four options. I pick one of those. That's it. Um, obviously, there are details in there, but the actual, like, turn-by-turn... Uh, uh, decision-making matrix of the game is is simpler than it seems at a glance. Oh, yeah. 
Um, Terra Mystica wasn't that way. Okay. It it was every bit as complicated as it seemed. Yeah. Um, there were other things they did to try and alleviate that. Um, there there are um bonuses every round, and it's a game that plays in a fixed number of rounds, the same way that um, uh, Twilight Imperium does. Oh, okay. Um, you go through you go through oh, right. six you, rounds you're saying, like, and six rounds, and you guys were like round two after three hours. Each each round might take an hour. You know, it gets it. I think it seemed like it got faster as we went. Like I think it got the turns got fast in the middle and then slowed toward the end as people got you know desperate to like you know to try and win. They're down to the wire and there's only and so they'd get more uh, analysis paralysis. Um, but the turn bonuses are random per game, right? You shuffle them up at the beginning of the game. And so um, for me, having never played before, I'm like, well, I'll just try and focus on those. They're bonus objectives. They give you bonus stuff. So uh, I'll just do that. Um, and that helped the decision making. Um, the, the sort of unique gimmick of the game, and I don't mean gimmick uh, derogatorily, just a unique mechanic that I had never seen before um, is that um, each faction, you pick factions the same way you do in Scythe or Twilight Imperium. Um, the factions have a color that is their preferred terrain, right? Okay. Um, the twist is they can only build... Um, they can only build structures on their preferred terrain. And so your faction tile will have a wheel. And there are something like... Probably like eight. Eight different terrain types. Um, your preferred terrain type will be on the top. And then it goes down from either side. Like if you're looking at a clock. Yeah. Uh, your, your preferred terrain is 12. And your least preferred terrain is 6. And... There's an action you do to terraform. And so you have a bunch in the physical game you have a bunch of little discs, right, that have your terrain, have the different terrains on yep. them. Um and the further you get from your preferred terrain, the more expensive it is. You basically have to pay this resource for every step you go on that on that wheel. Uh so if it's the immediate terrain to the left and right of your preferred, it only costs 1. But if it's the next one down, it's going to cost two. And that currency is very expensive and hard to get. You'll get like one in a turn, maybe, if you have all of the right things to buy it. Okay. Um, and so you start on your preferred terrain. Like my the faction I played were mermaids, and so they had this like water swampy tile. But in initial placement, you do initial placement like um, like Settlers of Catan, where you go... Uh, to one end and then back, Queensberry or whatever that's called. Okay. So the last person to pick picks twice and then you go back. Um, you pick your pref you pick spaces on your preferred terrain, but you also kind of want to look for um, um, the hexes around that being just one, being one of the adjacent terrain types that are going to be easy for you to terraform. Okay. Um. And so I think that's the, I think that's the thing with the name. It's 
Terramisk. So it's like magic of the land or something like you're, you know, it's, it's all about terraforming and you build buildings and you upgrade them similar to Settlers of Catan again, but more complicated. Like there are four or five different building types and you get, um, get a cluster of buildings together that are, that have different point values and if you have a high enough point value in a cluster, you can upgrade something to a town. Okay. Um, uh, one of the settlers' expansions was like that a little bit too. Well, at least it had like a third tier of upgrades. Um, and those towns give you big points, so that's sort of the big goal. But then you also want like a contiguous empire with everything touching. Um, there are all of these micro goals along the way. Like I said, turn bonuses that'll give you points for that um i liked it it was a long game but uh the way I, the way it sounded is know, that even when it wasn't your turn it so still was interesting is that kind yeah. of kind of and of course the the big advantage to maybe not maybe not the big advantage is kind of a double-edged sword but um for me one of the advantages to playing games remotely like this the big one is that if you're using like we use the site board game arena which it looks really crappy but works really well um for the games that it has uh the game handles all the rules so you can't accidentally cheat yeah or or accidentally make the game harder than it is supposed to be um everyone's playing the same way because the game's enforcing all the rules the app is enforcing all the rules uh that's the big one the second one is when it's not my turn because I'm at home or whatever, like I can, you know, pull out my Kindle and start reading or open up a tab in my browser and, and you know, get distracted looking at, you know, the kind, of, the kind of thing that you couldn't really do in person that would be kind of rude. I mean, I guess people get on their phones, yeah, yeah, right. um, whatever. But like if if I don't need to be engaged when it's not my turn, I don't. I don't have to be, and so I'm not as, uh, I'm not as bothered if like somebody's getting stuck in their head, trying to, um, you know, trying to make all the, all the bits and bits and pieces work in a way that, that they think will help the them win. Part, yeah, yeah. Some some of the uh, like Scythe probably has some of that too. Is that it's not great because you when it's not your turn you don't do anything. Yeah, you really don't unless somebody attacks you, which as you said is is pretty rare. That that's another thing about Terra Mystica is that there is no fighting at all. It's just that sort of area control uh and and certain racing like uh you know, only the only the first person to get their thing up this track. There's this whole occult thing that's I won't get into the details, but only the first person to do it gets the bonus points. Okay. Um and so you are competing, but you're not fighting. You're not attacking anybody. Yeah. Which some people like, some people don't. Yeah. Um. Well, so that was that was two of our long games, at least that we had. We played uh, some Project Winter, which is a video game. That's a video game. Uh, it's yeah. interesting because it's relatively quick. It's 30-minute games. We did have some issues figuring it out like getting six to eight people together and having them all logged in and 
getting your voice. We had some technical issues. Yeah. yeah. So we had that kind of thing that made it longer. Um, it was it was a weird thing because even though we played it, I know I played it about five or six times, maybe more. I can't remember. Um, we still didn't win, even traitor no. or not traitor. We ne- we we never won. I think I think it'll probably get pulled out again at some point. Yeah. Um, and we have a little better strategy for um, making the experience more enjoyable. I would agree. Uh, I, would agree. I mean, I technically won once, and that was fun, obviously. But like, just the act of oh, because like, you escaped very, on the little escape was thing? very thrilling, and I blew the bridge with Fox behind oh, me. Oh right, yeah, he, yeah. He like he lost, but he also thought it was awesome, yeah. uh, kind of thing. But we had we had many. So the short. Let me see if I can describe this game in a short way. Um, it's a a co-op survival game mm-hmm. where you're in a frozen, you know, winter place. I don't know how to describe that. You're in a you're in a frigid like climate, in Antarctica or somewhere. Yeah, where I mean, yeah, sure. There are there are resources, you know, trees and stones and animals, um, things that you gather. And there's a cabin that's like your safe space. But if you go outside, you're slowly dying of hunger and slowly freezing to death. And so you have to periodically either build a fire or go back to the base to warm up and then get food. Um, On top of that, there is one initial goal and one secondary goal that you have to do before you can escape, which is like radio for help or whatever. We never got to that stage, so I don't know what it looks like. Um, And those goals are things that you really need other people's help to do. The minimum uh, to play this game is five. And so it'll be like, you know, the first step is to get the generator back going. But the generator is missing um, a number of parts. And so you either have to go find the parts in specific, like, vague references on the map... Or they're different kind of parts that you have to craft, and you might need, like, 20 of them. And so you could go and find them, but all the places where you find parts are behind a door that it takes two people to open, like the nuclear uh, key thing. Turn your key, sir. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you, the, the, all of that to say you need help all the time. Uh, the twist of this game is that depending on the number of players, there is at least one person in the group who is a traitor. Correct. Their goal is not to win, or their goal is not to escape. Their goal is to stop you from escaping. Right. And if you find out who they are, you can exile them or kill them or whatever. Um, The problem for us is that at least half the group was always still trying to figure out the goal of getting the power back on or getting the radio uh, thing back up and running. And nobody could ever trust anyone's help or advice because at least one person was bad. Right. Um, And so every, the first couple games we had, the, the traders would win that everybody would die uh, or, you know, everyone would die but the traitor. Um, and that was okay. It was kind of fun. But then we had several where the traitor would either disconnect or get killed pretty early. Yeah. And then the rest of us would just, a couple people running around and a couple of us not getting 
um, to the things in time because if if you're down to just two people, the game has a half hour time limit. Um, you just can't move as you know fast enough because you're constantly looking for things. And while you're looking for things, you're starving and freezing to death. So you have to yeah. like look for a while and then go back to the base and then go out and look again. It's all very time consuming. It, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, without the the difficulty of the trader mechanic. And without the difficulty of no one understanding the goals and, and the difficulty of no one knowing how what they're supposed to be due to, to manage things, kind of like, besides all that, it's a hard game anyway, right? And right, it's, it, right. If you think about some of it, that learning curve, it's for those that played Minecraft, can remember back in the Wii days when they first started Minecraft, um, you don't know how to build a torch, you don't know how to build a bed, right? You, you just mm-hmm. got to figure these things out. That takes a long while. It's very arduous and very difficult, but then put that underneath a timer where you have to do it within yeah. this amount of time where yeah. you're dead. It, it's very pressure and, and intense. And, and I can see, like you said, us breaking this out again and it being better and we can do other ways to make it better, but it was, yeah. it, plan, plan in advance so that everybody can uh, get their mic working on their own time yeah stuff like that takes or, we, know, if we take 20 30 minutes to get our mic going it's, that's nothing against people personally it's just technology that's yeah it's just technology. technology is uh so yeah um, it, it, so our review i guess both i would agree is that it's not it's bad it's just we could have had it could have been better hell we played it five or six times and we're still you know fine playing it so it can't yeah. be terrible uh, but i don't think that either of us got the best experience that it can have right Right. right. That that was basically how I felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, there was that any, any anything else this weekend that we that we had um I'm trying to think. Um we we only did Jackbox games once. Thank God. And I, I was, was not impressed. part of it. I was yes. impressed by. Um Although I audience set we, one time, I think. We did um we did play a lot of a card game called Six Nimit. Yeah. Um sure. would, which I, which I actually bought. It seemed like a thing that I could get, I could bust out at Christmas or something. Oh, I'm sure your family can play that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, a kind of like, you know, they like stuff like Dutch Blitz and and stuff like that. And I'm like, I can't, I can't play a card game with like an an, an agility card game. Like oh, yeah. that's not. And six nimits not to me. I, I might have mentioned this before. Still, and I know there's differences, but it still feels like a 52 card game. Like one of those games that where you have like an ace and a two and a ten, and yeah, I mean it's not that yeah. because it's like one to one hundred and four, whatever you know, but and it's not sure. suits and stuff, but it still feels that kind of way, uh, almost almost yeah. a solitaire ish type thing. And I think I think it's been so lo- like I grew up playing those games with my grandparents, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like Rummy, various Rummy variants, and um, later, you know, as I got older, learning euchre. And, and stuff like that and there's something there's something kind of uh i don't even know what the word for it is maybe it's just nostalgia maybe like i think of it it's kind of comforting though that's not really the right word no i know what you're but saying I get we it, yeah. we spend so much time like learning and encountering new games there's something kind of relaxing about like Okay, everybody knows how this works, right? You remember you do the thing and you do this and everybody knows and then you play it a bunch of times and you're just trying to like 
perfect on that strategy or you drew some bad cards and, and obviously there are plenty of those games like um on board game arena we've been playing president which has like the opposite of a catch-up mechanic right there's this card swapping thing where the the top person gets better cards and the bottom person gets their bad cards and so like the people in the middle move around but the top and the bottom which makes it <laughs> thematically accurate to classism but not all that fun as a game yeah. if you get stuck in the bottom um like um, real life positions right? <laughs> there like like in real yeah. life yeah the, um, six Nimit. but yeah i i i like six nimit for its kind of you can look at you can look at stuff and you can make you can sort of judge how risky a play is and of course you only have so many cards so you got to play something and you're like all right well this one's easy it's a next and it goes and that'll be fine but you're you know in other cases you're like well the road that this would go on has four cards that could be played if you're not card counting yeah um and so you're like well i'm gonna take a chance on it yeah and then right and then somebody will clear a row and it's all bets are off. Yeah. And you never yeah, know. it's like it's it's very much the card game feel it has to it is that there there is strategy and there is thought to it, but that's the same strategy and the same thought for every every move, every turn. Like it's it's there's a strategy. I guess you're saying like when you played when we talked about scythe, there's multiple ways to get to multiple things and you and you it changes from turn to turn based on a lot of different things and then your goals can change and like but with a game like six limits or rummy you do this to do that every time no matter what right like it, it's the same strategy you have the same things and yes there yeah. it is the, strategy the only thing but it's the, the only game. thing that changes yeah the only thing that changes is what cards are out there for you to play against um but you're still kind of always making the same sort of logical decisions right um not the same decision but like you're asking the same questions right um every time and i think yeah there's definitely a time for uh and a and a and a group and a certain kind of like obviously we're the same people yeah. right so for me to say like i would i would play six nimit with all the adults in my family um i mean and older kids probably could play it too there's nothing yeah uh, you know, there's no reading or that anything. That is something good about Six Nimit in most card games is that it, it can be basically played by kids. Poker can be played by kids, but all the way up to a professional money level, right? Yeah, I don't know. Well, my grandparents didn't play poker, so but you know what I mean. That, I never even rummy poker as a kid. Like that. Yeah, like rummy. You know, we they played a rummy variant called Crazy Thirteens, where um, every hand of the wild went up like it started with two and went all the way up to ace yeah um and it was just rummy like draw a card every turn and play down sets and runs when you can um and i mean when i learned that i couldn't have been more than seven and maybe maybe even still younger like i learned to read pretty pretty young and you don't need to read to play card games yeah. like i i learned to play that i don't know if you remember or ever saw those things that were like two coasters held together with a spring for holding cards oh yeah yeah you know what i'm talking yep. about i learned to play 
Crazy 13s when my hands were too small to comfortably hold a hand of cards. <laughs> right? That's how young I was. Right. Um, and so, so yeah, that's a thing. But so to to the point that I was going to say earlier, like I would never try to teach my mom to play scythe. Well, maybe scythe, right. but not yeah. Terra Mystica. Yeah. Um, but we could play six Nimit. And even for our group, the same people who played scythe at the end of the night would play. That's part of the reason we didn't play Jackbox but one time is that the first night we played like five games of six Nimit because people knew people would come in and they're like, uh, like, all right, I want you Aaron or a couple other people would just watch or listen for a while. And they're like, they're like, are you guys almost, I went in on the next. Yeah. Cause it's just, you know, it's simple enough that you can pick up and figure out what's going on, but it's got the, um, what we call the no whammies kind of thing where the cards go down and they get distributed one by one. And so you're watching if you, if you really get it, like the guys who have played a lot like Cogswell, you can look and go, Oh, Trotsky's going to bust that row. That's going right. to, but if you're not, you're just watching and you're like, uh, uh, is he going to, is he going to do it? Oh, yeah. No. Right. Which, which is fun. And it's exciting. Right. Especially when you're all yeah. playing together and things. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, six yeah. it's a, a good game. And, and I would, I would agree with the fact that you can play it with anyone you can, that you can play a normal deck of card game with. Not, not necessarily mm-hmm. war, but you know, anyone who can play a hand of rummy or understand, um, what a, what poker kind is now, I mean, to that level right yeah i mean you don't even have to understand stuff. sets you and can runs play this game for the, you, um you just yeah you just have to or, be able or to even count, heck even basically. uh uno if you can play uno you can probably play six nimit and and yeah. everyone would be able to play it you could take it to christmas thanksgiving and and bust it out so it's probably one of the you know what as much as i kind of you know poo-poo it sometimes i think almost maybe it is worth buying to have in my in my thing for when casual casual person comes over yeah i mean it's not a replacement for scythe but there's definitely a time and place where you want to bust out a game that'll play 10 players that is not just a party game or a big team like charades or cards against humanity or something like that that actually has a little bit of strategy to it sure sure cool so okay well that's i think that's most of the games we've played this weekend we um there was a few little things here and there, but you know, it was good, good times. Nice to play with, uh, with friends and sit down with some dedicated games and, and this time to play some long games. And mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. see us probably hopefully playing some more of these kind of things later on. My big winner was yep. Scythe just as a personal thing, because I am now happy to play it single player. Um, my one, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, not big disappointment, but, um, thing that, I was planning to do the, to kind of try and push was uh, um, our our buddy Fox had asked us oh, about yeah. the Lord of the Rings Living Card Game right. uh, for for Fox DenCon. It might have even been at GenCon, and we were like, I don't know about GenCon, maybe uh, kind of deal. And then we brought the cards, and we're gonna try to do it at Fox DenCon, and just never never found the time, the window of time. A lot of that's on me. Like I'm not super pushy with stuff like that unless it's star trek adventures because i want to make a podcast episode but um since we weren't getting together i was like well what could we do i know that people play that game on tabletop simulator or they use an app called octagon um that is 
you know, it's it's 2D because you don't need a 3D environment for a card game. Yeah. Um, but I remember trying that uh, a year or so ago, however long I got into uh, the Lord of the Rings living card game. Um, and it's not it's not official. So you download the, the Octagon app, which is like TTS. It's a it's a framework. And then you have to download the packs of like card scan images and load it all in and like it doesn't do any of the mechanics for him like that's a whole that's a whole painful thing that like i barely had enough motivation to get figured out <laughs> sure let alone let alone try to try to use that to teach somebody this game and i'm like well there's a digital version right it was in the asmodee bundle that we mentioned earlier um you know fantasy flight interactives uh you know digital version of the game and i've played it just a little bit to know that it's it's similar, but still very different. Like it's much easier. Yeah. It's not easier. It's still difficult. It's less complicated than the physical game. But I was like, we could try that. It'll be at least a fun kind of thing. And somebody on Reddit said that it's one of the most fun uh digital co op experiences that they've had. Oh, that's interesting. And I'm like, this'll be this'll be cool. And I kept kind of try to hint at, hint at it and see if we didn't have it on the schedule and and kind of thing and then um and then i realized at some point probably saturday that it's only two player oh really um like the actual yeah, game is so, not two player it's more than two well it plays four but you have to have two copies yes of the core box yes right so it so maybe that's all they did. They're like, yep, the the ideal, which I know in the card game, a lot of people do that. Even if they play solo, um, they do uh, two-handed. I'm not sure. I forget now what they call this, but yeah. they play two players. It's two-headed dragon, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I assume that's uh, yeah. magic. Yeah. It's just playing um, two two hands. You're playing yeah, both players. Yeah, they, they call it, they call it dual hand or or two handed something like that, but it's it's one person playing two players, um, and then you can take advantage of of the mechanics yeah. that rely on another player, yeah. uh, things like ranged and sentinel and um, yeah. and stuff like that. So maybe that's what they thought. It's just like I can see that. Do. So I don't know if if uh, I I might see if Fox is still interested, or maybe sometime you and I can. And check it out or something. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah. I, I, it's weird about that game. When this is something that goes back to our long, our long time of show, show a couple years ago with this is that I'd be interested in what Fox thinks about that. It does not, I will say, it does not feel like a Fox game. Um, it, that's not a knock on the game or on Fox. It just, you know, it takes, it takes a lot of patience. It's the most, as I've always said with that game, it's the most, uh, economically tight game that you I've ever yeah, played. It's, it's very tight. If you don't yeah. make the right decision, um, you just are done, right? Like pretty mm -hmm. early. And then and then it also has a ton ton of randomness. Like to get when yeah. you get shadow cards and everything is terrible. I mean, I hate to say, it, but everything is terrible because it's very thematic with Lord of the Rings. You're with the shadows and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So you have mm -hmm. to part of that game. The most probably I wouldn't even say the biggest part of that game is that you have to one accept the theme, two love the theme, and three get, just you know get into it. Like get the effect that you know 
it's the shadow and it's the the scary and and this is the story and these are the actual characters and the artwork is really good and like there's a lot of that besides the actual game that makes it really good i think especially for us who are lord of the rings fans yeah uh, so i would be have, would be have you played the have you played the digital version at all i have not i have not played the, the digital version so so i'm that's curious to it to it plays i mean it's it's impossible to at least for me it's impossible to talk about a digital card game without comparing it to hearthstone um it plays like a hybrid of the physical game and hearthstone um instead of the like random uh whatever they're called encounter cards instead of the cards coming out of the deck randomly and they'll be different things um it's like sauron is an impo- is an opponent it's like you're playing the pve um stuff in hearthstone so That's like he has his own um resource pool and he'll play cards from that resource pool oh that's weird okay the the only difference not the only difference but um a major difference is you just take one action back and forth instead of like i play a bunch of cards you play a bunch of cards like i play a card then sauron plays a card and then i play another card until we both pass and then it goes to the next turn the shadow uh um or the threat thing goes up one. Oh, this this feels that, like a totally different same. kind of game. It has a lot of the same, like the characters' powers, the heroes' powers are very similar to their physical counterparts. Um, but there's just one resource pool. There's no like different factions of cards. Um, I haven't gotten far enough into it to get to the actual like unlocking cards and deck building um, stuff. But it is still just as difficult um, as the as the physical game. You're still like right up against the wire. I think I played it a little bit single player before we um, got going on on Friday or Saturday yeah. uh, just to see stuff. And I was like, very first very first mission, I got to like the last phase of it, and my heroes all died. Oh. So I need I needed to be focused a little more <laughs> on this. Well, I, I'll have to give it a try. I, I know that you had tossed me the, the extra key, so that's probably something that, that we can I can load up now. That's, that makes sense why I haven't played the digital, right? Because I even asked you for the key, so because um, you had an extra. Yeah, if you if you didn't get that uh, if you didn't get that humble bundle back in. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. I mean, I, we talked about it back then, and and I will have to give that a, a good look at now. Uh, to see so yeah it was, it was a good good game weekend we played some things we didn't actually play any physical board games but we played new games and that was fun and it was interesting to play some video games mixed in there didn't didn't have quite the same social thing but it's just different you know it's how we deal with times in the in, during a pandemic thing i'll tell you what yep. people back when smallpox were going around didn't get to be able to do this right <laughs> I mean, right to make light of a terrible thing but Sure. Yeah. Now we we're stuck in our houses. We get to do some things, which is kind of kind of good. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's. I I think I said last week that our I don't I don't, don't want to name anybody, but our friend who tested positive got two negative tests back. So yeah, that's good. And he he never he never had any symptoms. So right. um, all the then then we pretty... get slammed up with our buddy Pat started getting huge symptoms. Right. Not huge, but yeah, like, I, I yeah, I I assume that was just normal. Yeah, he, he just he just like 
gets fever and and a cough and you know tiredness and like it's so funny when you experience mm-hmm. these kind of things like those are things that we could just have symptoms of the flu but we don't know now right now the big the big c yeah. word is out there so it's always always a thing that's the the big c word is already a thing you can't call it that <laughs> oh right yeah um <laughs> but but you know what covid is is out there now so we uh yeah yeah, yeah so that was now when we have anyone in our friend group sick it's just kind of a you know an eye opener to you know hey pay attention be careful and it was good good things for for us to to go through that kind of stuff but or going through i guess um yeah so hey before we get to our movie of the week thing our uh, 2020 challenge which now mm-hmm. in hindsight feels, sounds like a very terrible name for a title of anything 2020 anything yep yeah we we saw that obviously yeah, right a year and a half ago, we had no idea. <laughs> Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Yeah, uh, uh, it's terrible. Um, I just I, I wanted to do a kind of a little small shout out to a show that I had forgotten I was going to tell you about. Um, Sid came home yesterday, yay, super happy um, from the summer from her mom's, and is now back home. Mm-hmm. And we spent some time together and watched. Uh, uh, we were like scrolling through Netflix stuff. And I watched a show called uh, like Cubers, I think it was what it's called. It was like a an hour long show maybe, and it was about Rubik's cube and the world of Rubik's cube and a competition. Oh, Cubers! Cubers! I heard about this. Maybe you, maybe you told. Oh, me. I can't remember. Yeah. So I, I it's just around. The, there's no, it's nothing big. It's nothing like huge. You can, you know, oh my god, go out and watch it or do whatever. But let me tell you, it, this little shout out to me is to watch it. Is you know sometimes there's so many heavy thick things and especially as we kind of go into our next uh topic here it's it's nice sometimes to just watch a show that is a good heartfelt kind of piece right mm. uh, not that it's sure. inspiring or uplifting but the 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 cubers show kind of is a, a documentary-esque type type thing and it follows mm-hmm. two of the world's best cubers and okay. um they're between the, the it follows them kind of shows parts of their life from like seven years old until now one of them is 17 and the other one is like 22 or so um and and they have a good friendship one of them is autistic right okay. um and it is such a good kind of heartwarming people are good in the world type piece it made me feel mm-hmm. really good I watched it okay. and, and it's, it doesn't have like, I, I will say for one day by this, I don't want to spoil too much, but I don't think it's a spoiler. It's not one of those ones where like, and in the end, the champion sets the world records and this is his epic journey. It's not necessarily like that. It's kind of like that they, somebody wanted to document the cubing and then send it around these two guys and they had a couple months to film it in. Right. So the results of whatever happened in the goal up to the world championships in this thing are what actually happened. Right. Um, sure. So it's, it's not like, you know, the, some huge thing, but these are world champion world record setting people that are awesome. And it's really, like I said, I just wish I could tell people, Hey, spend an hour of your time and watch this show and see two people who are kind, generous, normal, good people. Right. And then realize that that's how a lot of people are in the world and they're all around us and they're just the normal guys or in girls next to you. 
they're not all terrible anti-maskers and haters and things like that. <laughs> there are so many good, yeah. positive, warm, genuine people on the planet. And and if we saw them in a place like cubing competitions or when we meet them at Gen Con, which is a genuine thing, you know, it gives us a, a good sense of people and positivity and stuff. And we don't get a lot of that sure. these days because now we're all stuck inside just reading news and seeing reports that people are feeding us and social media posts. But um, we should seek out positive experiences from positive people. And, and that Cuber show is one of them. So go watch it. I think, I think it's worth it. It's not like number one on the USA Today thing, but it's a, it's a good positive thing. Now, let, right on. let's switch right over on. to the, the not so positive thing. <sighs> yeah. Of yeah. Our 2020 challenge. Let's do that. Yeah. Yep. This week, we watched the 1991 crime drama, Boys in the Hood. Hey, can I comment that I, I led this into like not so great thing, our 2020 challenge, making it feel like our 2020 challenge is not the great thing. It's, mm. it's actually the show. And I don't mean to knock on Boys in the Hood. As I mean, it's just, it's a very serious topic show. Yes? Yeah. He- heavy, serious, um, um sort of piece i did not know anything about this going into it um it's very highly rated um it was nominated for oscars and won a bunch of uh other awards things like that um and so i was like oh this might and you get a sense from the title cards right at the start uh what kind of movie this is going to be yeah um i mean right off 20 seconds in and you're you're like Okay, you're getting yeah, you're getting you're getting statistics from that time, 1991. So uh, we're gonna hit the bell for spoilers. Uh, Before spoilers, can I can I maybe this is a thing, but I think it's it's noteworthy to say this is a movie that is relevant to um, right now, and if there's a movie to watch right now, before you skip over spoilers and go to the next subject. Uh, I would say that um, if you're thinking about something and there's some thoughts about racial things, this isn't one, a bad one to watch. So, so that's not that's not yeah, final decisions, the, but it's it is something that's relevant to right now. Yeah. The um, and if you're and if you're questioning it in its time, 1991 was less than 30 years ago. I know if if there are any Zoomers listening to the show, that's further back than they can remember. Mm-hmm. But I mean. Over 30, right? Yeah. Like, anybody you meet over 30, uh, this is the way. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, I hope um, the the realities uh, portrayed in this movie are not the case anymore. Um, but honestly, in a lot, in a lot of ways, is. they are. Is, yeah. and, in, and in places, I'm sure it, it still is. Um, and even if it's not, this is a reality that is in the actual living memory of anybody over the over the age of 30. Yes. Which is not old, right? Yeah. By any means. It's not a it's not so far in the distant past that it can be uh dismissed. Right. So and, and that's not anyway, that's not that's, a final challenge thing. I'm mean, final thoughts because final thoughts can be about the movie itself, but as a lead into it that everyone could hear before on that, it's worth noting about what we just said was that 
No, it's something to pay attention to and worth watching from that standpoint. Right. Okay, so spoiler bell? Yep. Here we go. Okay, so I thought Cuba Gooding Jr. was great. Yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, he's done some things that are really, really good, and some things that are like, uh, okay. I mean, he's a what, he's like a multiple award winner through time, so. Sure, sure. I mean, uh, quite a handful, and probably more than I even than I even realized of African American actors who and actresses who um, went on to do other things. Obviously, Lawrence Fishburne, mm-hmm. Morpheus is in here. Um, Ice Cube, and he did great too. Lawrence Fishburne was great. Uh, Angela Bassett, who was in um, uh, Black Panther, yeah. and probably a bunch of other things. A million That's things, just, right? Yeah. Um, the first one for me. Um, the which one? One of the other actresses was the lead in um, uh, the new Watchmen. Oh yeah. Um, in addition to in addition to probably other things. And one one of the actresses um, I remember was in uh, Coming to America. Not since late, but I remember from that. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah, they, they they were they were great people. Now I know that Ice Cube, right? He was. He was. This is. I think this is the one that got him started in acting, right? Probably because I, I think that he was rapper before then, and now he mm-hmm. it was his real acting kind of debut. I think I, I'm just saying that out loud, but I remember him coming onto the scene then, and I didn't know him before then, and he and I had not seen this movie as well, and then afterwards he was in several things, and everybody talked about his role in this one, and and now watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly how actually. <laughs> how he was in every other thing that he did subsequently. Like he was the same kind sure. of character, which is, which is not bad because that character's very, that character personality and type, which is, seems to be ice cube is very important to get across. And to, he's very important to who he is in the, in the show. Yeah. And, and then, and then he has a little speech at the end that I think is very, very heavy and soul hitting when he's on the steps and he, he right. He said, you know, he's just what we would call a caricature, I think, through most of the show. But in the end, when he sits there and he says, you know, the bit about the the world, the news says the world is a violent, terrible place. But there wasn't anything about my brother on there. Yeah. Yeah. That was like very, very, very powerful and strong, you know. And I know yeah, I'm a guy I mean, in Indiana, I grew mean, up in Indiana, to, and I was watching the oh, it's terrible and wars everywhere, but right here in right. America, you know. Well, and and to me that always brings up the, um, what's the? I think it's a, I think it's a Jay Z song. But there's one of those hip hop songs. They say, um, uh, the paper reads murder, black on black murder. Yeah, and it's and it's this attitude that I've I've witnessed. From other, you know, white white people to say like, oh well, it's just, you know, maybe not that dismissive. Like in my mind, I build it up a little bit of like, oh, it's just, it's just that, it's just gangs. You know, it's, it's in, it's in that community. It's just between the that community, and it's that it's that's one of the attitudes that that sparks something like the Black Lives Matter movement for you know people to say it's not that it's not that black lives are any more valuable than any other lives uh you know people come with the with all lives matter thing it's that 
for for years too many people have had an attitude whether they admit it or not that those deaths are not as horrible as as others right yeah right and, um, and watching this show puts things in a it, it it kind of addresses that whole thing you're just talking about there the, the all lives matter the black lives matter you watch the show and you realize like oh that's not what it's saying or what it means it's like ricky died right yeah and yeah ricky was great and was fine and had problems but you know so it's hard to even talk about right it's hard to even yeah. after watching the show yeah. and saying like i think the first half of the show is just about life in in you know um you know south central la it's just a normal yeah, everyday this, life in this you know they call the hood this um this urban desperate um you know and anything like this reminds me of watching shameless which of course mm -hmm. most of the characters in shameless are white yeah. uh but their their situation is no less desperate they just don't have you know this history of of slavery kind of overshadowing of course and, and a, a lot of aspects of their and shame, of their shame goes a lot to like uh, over the top ish type stuff with things but it, it it whereas this this very much feels like a situation that every single person in the show is in a situation that is put upon them yeah right yeah and there's there's all of this kind of um contention or contentiousness um where everyone is so like shameless is called shameless because the the characters lives are so desperate that they don't have the luxury of being ashamed of their actions right like they are just barely surviving and so they're doing whatever they can you know it's how um you know places of truly legitimately high crime are places where people are desperate right where people are living in poverty and not able to survive they don't have the privilege or the luxury to follow all the rules um right you go all the way back to um to les miserables with jean valjean stealing a loaf of bread yeah. to feel feed his niece and nephew right um yeah and i and, and i had i had go ahead i had the best it, it, again it, i feel difficult talking about the situation because i i feel not fully uh capable i don't know if that's the word or or, or or to be able to express the feelings all i can do is express what, how i felt about watching the show mm -hmm. and, and how i yeah. relate to the characters and how i think that they felt but i could never say that to a real person because this was this wasn't it never felt like it was a caricature. I lived in the nineties and I knew people like, like acted like this. They, this was not an over, I don't think it was an over dramatization of African-American communities in, in South central LA. I think it was, it felt very real. Like people were, the language was normal that everybody talked. They weren't mm -hmm. terribly over, over the top. Yeah. There's always some random druggie in there that like, you know, will, commit oral sex for um you know crack cocaine you know that's that's right. that's something that they they do do but they're not like everyone on the streets dying like you'll see in a lot, a lot of some of these movies where they show like the ghetto and everyone's doing crack on the corner and i mean it yeah it was like I mean, a neighborhood you, that had terrible you, things you around get, it 
yeah, you get it. You get the distinct sense that at least for um, Trey and his family, like his parents are separated, but they are both doing their absolute best to better themselves and be good ups, you know, quote unquote, upstanding citizens. Um, And you can see it in his personality as he uh, comes of age, even though they set up from the beginning that he's, um, you know, he's very bad tempered. You really, the, the sort of thread of his, of his character arc is what a difference, um, having a father is, you know, that's maybe too gendered for 2020, but like the difference between him and his friends is he has a father active in his life. Like, telling him showing him you know you you get that pretty early in the movie when there's the the home invader and and uh he shoots at him and then they interact with the cops like the cops are not really part of the story except just to add to the overall like backdrop of this world exactly, that they're living exactly in right um how there's and always so choppers not, always yeah there are helicopters over all the time and the cops are they're almost useless. Exactly. Um, which which is reality for all those people alter- there. Yeah. Alternating between worth worth useless and fully antagonistic. Yeah. Um, and so again, it's not explored in depth, but you have this at least one, and there's there are other um encounters with, with the police, and I don't remember if it was a different if it was different cops a second and a third time, but um the african-american cop is the more contentious because i mean who knows why but you know they have their communities have this um this slang and this and this style it's like us when we get together and we you know our group of friends will say you know we'll joke around say kind of mean things Mm -hmm. um but them they because um of this of this um um almost desperate struggle of a life that they're they're living through that is less it's less funny right it's more at any point you know oh, it's somebody a desperation and, type life that they live through right? and yeah. and somebody like like everyone is just living under high stress all the time, all the time. so it takes yeah. it takes nothing at all for for a fight to go you know, to break out They're, they're um, like when, when Trey's a kid, right. He's just walking home and there's, there's guys playing a, a, some kind of dice game in the street. And then it turns into like a brawl and someone beating the crap yeah. out of everybody. He's just a kid yeah. walking home or he walks and he gets a football taken from him and his buddy gets, gets kicked in the stomach. And this is mm-hmm. the life they live all the time. Every, every day. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I like, I liked, appreciated your, your comment about high stress life all the time. And and this movie never strays from that. I mean, it's the fact that in the background you hear, you know, there, there's a scene where like a girl's just doing homework and then in the background there's gunshots and she Gun, gunfire, gunfire. Yeah. Right. And you hear it and sometimes they react and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's, it's very well done because gunfire happens. Right. And, but they never yeah. ever let you think that this is just a normal life and we accept it because they all feel stressed. They all feel mm-hmm. terrified and they all worry. 
everyone does all the time. And then you have, so it leads to so many different explanations throughout the whole movie. So many layers like Lawrence Fishburne comes out. He talks about gentrification and he talks about mm-hmm. um, alcohol or, you know, um, liquor stores and guns on every other corner. Liquor here. stores, gun stores, the, the crack cocaine coming crack in. Crack cocaine. He, they, there's all of these reasons for the life that they live that they're constantly in. So when someone says, oh, just get out of the hood or just you know, be better or don't, or just say no to drugs. You just don't understand. Just, just say no, just get a job. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's so all of that's, all of that stuff is so easy to say when you've never lived in that kind of desperation all the time. And it, this, like like you said, this goes through their, their life. I mean, it does a big skip, but you see them as kids and that's their life and you see them as older. And let me tell you, I got to say the most powerful strongest best acting moment in this whole movie is when uh trey comes home after um the police officer put the gun in his in his face mm-hmm. and then he just like starts punching the air and i i rewind it and watched it again and i was like that's he's so terrified and angry and he can do nothing but just punch the air right and scream yeah. and cry and he just, he's tired of it and he can't get any more and he doesn't know what to do. And he, there's no one to punch, right? Right. There's no one to right. punch, but he's just angry. And at one point you obviously see after Ricky dies is that you feel that like he's going to give in. You know, he's, he's, yeah, he's hundred percent. I don't want to say deserve to kill somebody, but you get where how that happens right he's gonna go and, yeah. and then when yeah when his friend goes out and kills for his brother again they murdered people you don't say that's right but oh man you think this is you know the life that they're put there yeah yeah uh, so it was yeah well i mean you have that you have that scene and that's back to the the thing about the police and i know that this is a movie right yeah it's it's sending a particular message it's trying to tell but, us and help us yeah yeah but you know in your even in that that home invasion sequence when they're when they're outside like they're waiting for the police and the police take a long time to get there right it's already like the whole situation is is high high tension and then you know the the african-american cop is um you know uh um like un unashamedly antagonistic to them, mm-hmm. right? He's like, "Well, I I saw the guy and I I took shots at him," and they're like, "Well, did you get him?" And he's like, "No. Well, he'd be laying out here instead of yeah. you know nothing in instead." And then the, the, the you know black cop is like, "Uh, well, it's too bad you didn't. Yeah, there'd be one less of you out here on the streets." Yeah, and and then of course the scene before the one you were referencing where um Cuba Gooding Jr gets gets the gun in his face like the police are supposed to be the solution right not, yeah. not the solution but like that's it that's the only um in in a short term problem situation like the fix is supposed to be the police and they're and they're not helping they're making it worse. Way worse, right? Um, you know, it's and, it's funny that yeah that we uh, you and I watch this and and we're our discussion here kind of follows along the same line of of how much 
it it helps us. It, it's a message to us, and it's a it's not just not just I wouldn't say a, an eye opener, which it can be, but a, a a way to have that heart and soul feel for people in, into that and try to somehow relate and have empathy and and understanding of that from yeah. a, a two white guys perspectives. But right, but right. let me tell you, thinking about this movie, it does not do a whole lot about speaking about white people, right? Like it, it's no. it's clearly a, a thing, and we and there's a whole thing about that. But that's not this movie. It even starts out as we said at the beginning with the, the card about you know so many of the large percentage of people who are African American males who die are by other African American males. And that's what it starts out with. And this show right. does have a white police officer, but he is not the worst of the two police officers in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't no. even can't even recall if there are any other white people in the show. <laughs> so, so the whole movie is literally contained with this community. It's just inside it. It reminded me a lot of when we watched city of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Which is not, it's not in the U S and the thing that they did outside of Rio was much more overt, right? It's much yeah. more obvious yeah. than what happens uh, in American cities in LA. Yeah. Um, but it's like gentrification is the same thing. Yeah. Right. Like this whole, I, I had always, to me, gentrification always just meant uh, a quote unquote crappy neighborhood, a bad neighborhood, dangerous neighborhood, a neighborhood or, or a, a couple streets mm-hmm. right where um the houses sell really cheap but something happens to where the houses start getting renovated and sold higher so if you get in just before that starts they you know they call it a wave of gentrification um you you buy something cheap a house or a piece of land or something you build on it or improve it, sit on it for a year or two, and then by the time that time passes, um, everything around it has increased in value, and you and you make money. Yeah. Um, it's um that can happen without this like um, and maybe that's what the actual gentrification means. This sort of wave of pushing out. Uh, and not what I had thought of it as just increasing property values. Because, of course, if you bought the right piece of land in Bloomington 10 years ago and and go to sell it now, it could be worth three, four, five times as much, even if you didn't do anything to it. Yeah. Um, because property values in the city have gone up because of them expanding the interstate uh, down from Indianapolis. Right. Um, that kind of stuff just happens, right? Yeah. That's just cities expanding and growing. Right. Um, this um, thing that's described in this movie as gentrification is this active, like, going in and buying. I guess they are buying stuff cheap, but they're going into a ghetto or a hood and buying up these houses until they own enough of them that they can build and, in- and increase the property value to where the taxes and the rent and whatever else become too expensive. I know that this happened in San Francisco with mm-hmm. the tech boom. There are places where, you know, a person's rent could go from 600 a month to like 2000 a month in a year. 
just because so much stuff exploded all at once. And that's just, you know, that's just tech boom, making a crazy wave in, in, uh, in the economy. Like, you know, that stuff happened when they found, uh, gold and, you know, that, that stuff just happened. It's not, um, it's not overtly racist. Um, but here was, it felt, you know, this is this idea. It's like, it's like city of God, but instead of, you know, literally forcing all the poor people out of the city and putting them in this slum with no electricity, they're using the market. They're using the free market and whatever other like legitimate quote unquote, um, um, systems to, to push, to push these people further away from where quote unquote, we want to live like we want to buy it and may and we want to you know be in this neighborhood where if we have kids we want our kids to be safe right and and the best way for them to be safe is to be far away from these people from these characters but right we can't afford to live over there so if we buy the properties here and we push like they won't be able to afford to stay and they'll have to you know move further in yeah, it's Who pushing knows? the problem what yeah this hit so much on those different aspects. And, and let me clarify something that I, I said earlier about that there's no white people in this. The white people are very much prevalent throughout the whole thing. Like he talks about, you know, you can't join the army. There's no room for a black man in a white man's army. Sure. Right. Which is 100% true even back then. Right. Especially and, in the 80s. Right. Yeah. And then, and then um, the you know, the, the fact, the gentrification thing, like there's no mm-hmm. white people on screen, but, and it's not saying they don't even say white people. I don't even know if there's a lot of stuff about talking about, you know, it's the white man's fault or the white man's thing. They don't even say that stuff. They just, it's, it's, it's less of, I mean, just they know. make it a Lawrence Fishburne makes it about race, right? Because right. it's a black neighborhood. Right. Um, and he compares it to the other, um, um, what's the word for this? Uh, like, nationality based neighborhoods like you know chinatown Mm, or mm -hmm. whatever that the different cities have um some of that happens just if with immigrant uh populations because of language right right? like they want they'll learn english but they want to be in a neighborhood with all of the other people who speak korean or spanish or whatever um but the the gentrification issue is more it's much more about economic class yeah. Right. The the wealthy and middle class people don't want to live in a neighborhood with poor people. And so they want the property values to go up. So and not not overtly, right? Like I'm being I'm describing that in a way that's overly um aggressive. And um, it certainly seems that way to the people in those neighborhoods. I mean, there's an arc of um shameless that goes the same way like they're living in this house and the only way they can survive is the the sort of legal loopholes that they've exploited to stay in this house um and there's a character who's a relative right in the same family but not as desperate as as they are who is going to come in and claim the house fix it up and flip it so that he can make a profit and they'll all be out on the streets. Yeah. Right. Or in, in, um, in the, in the system, right. Cause yeah. they're children. They'll be in the, 
um, foster homes and things like that. Yeah. The foster system. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie has, so I guess we're moving into conclusions here. Yeah. It ha- yeah. has so many, so many, uh, powerful and good ways of letting you know things and making you aware of things and telling, I'm not going to even use the word story, but telling the the truth of so many things, you know, even though, like you had said in the spoiler section that, that um, uh, it's clearly fictional characters and, and it's, everything is kind of blown up a little bit more, not blown up, but like they, the cops and stuff like that, they, you know, put a gun to their heads and they do a little bit C- more to tell the story. Certain ele- to, yeah, yeah. Certain elements are, I, I assume slash hope are exaggerated, exaggerated somewhat for, yeah. for the sake of the message. Right. But, but it's the, it's the message. So it's, there are some of that for the message. I like actually like that instead of the story, the message. Um, but very much it feels, it does a good job of feeling very real and normal, not in a real gritty way, but just like I said, the first half of the movie just feels like you're just kind of going through their normal lives in a situation. And, then it gets through and it has very difficult things, very real things. And it hits it from so many angles and so many messages. Well done mm-hmm. that I have never seen anything done that way and done that well, even to today. Um, and it's, it's very well done. I mean, it's very well done to the acting, yeah. to the writing, to the directing. It's so well done, you know? And, uh, this deserves to be on my top 100 just for the simple like uh, impact it had. And here I am a guy, I'm 45 years old. I, <laughs> I have, you know, a lot of experiences, opinions. I'm well-read. I like to believe educated. Um, I think that I'm a man of the world ish and I still watch this movie and still have that humble feeling of, you know, I have a lot to learn. And I have a lot to know and um, a lot more about people I need to respect and understand and give a perspective on than I had before. And this movie helped me feel that way as a growth thing, right? Sure. And not a lot of movies can do that, I think, in the way it did, the way it does it. Um, mm-hmm. So we ha- we haven't said a lot of stuff because we don't get political on this show. We try very much to avoid <laughs> it, but, you know, obviously... Yeah. Black Lives Matter is a very big movement happening today, and you can't you can't um, say it better. I don't think there's been anything in this last year that I've heard a better way to listen to Black Lives Matter than to watch this show. Um, for, yeah, for me. I th- I think there are there are probably some newer pieces. Yeah. I know people talked about um, Black Klansmen, um, maybe. Uh, straight out of Compton was just a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. These are, you know, being who I am in the demographic that I'm am that I am in. Um, titles like that just wash over me. Yeah, you're right? watching Star Trek um, and, and and yeah, Marvel movies, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm like that. Sounds like I can't tell the difference between a movie titled Boys in the Hood and a movie titled Barbershop Three. Like those both sound like movies that are not for me. Yeah. Um, not because of my taste, like they're not made <laughs> for, for my demographic. Um, Black Klansman is the wrong title I'm thinking of. There's one about police in Detroit. 
I can't think of the title of it now. But anyway, um, as I said in the pre-spoilers, this movie is almost 30 years old. But I think even if a lot of these problems portrayed in this movie have been solved, which I don't think that they have yeah. fully, like maybe things are better now than they were then. I don't think the 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 crack cocaine epidemic is still um, going on the way that it was in the late 80s. Even if all the problems have been solved, which I don't think they have, it's still valuable to see a perspective of of people that's in recent memory. Yeah. Um, right? I don't. I don't. I guess I don't need to belabor that point because I made it earlier. No, but but it, um, it's worth saying. It's worth it's worth this, saying to relate and to understand and to. Yeah, this movie, like several others that we've seen on this poster, like I said in the spoiler section, City of God. Um, uh, maybe Mary and Max, um, um, a few others that I'm not thinking of right now, um, is not necessarily a movie that you should see. It's a movie that you should see, and should is a weird word. It's it's not a movie that you should see as cinema, as film, um, which we definitely have seen some that are good, bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. and some of those. This is a movie you should see as a person. Yeah. No no matter um, what race you are, by the way. I mean just to see yeah. just to see a glimpse into um a world that was and in some ways still is. Yeah. And just to just to be aware of it, if nothing else. To to have that in your mind when you're reading headlines and hearing stories and seeing people um do different things, protest certain things to just get a different perspective because it's so easy, even in the internet age, which is kind of mind blowing. It's so easy to live in an echo chamber and, or, or live in a bubble as they say, where you just, you just see people like you and you only hear opinions from people who think the way that you do. And to not, to not have any concept of the, the myriad of different ways um, that people live and struggle to survive in our world. I, I, I agree with all that. And, and I got to say something about our movies and how our perspectives and things that you <laughs> expanding upon what you just mentioned there. Um, obviously I love Marvel movies, right? And sure. um, one of the big movies that came out last year and was of all the Marvel movies was black Panther. Um, watching last year, whatever, go I think on. It was, I think it was, yeah, 2019. Maybe maybe it was eighteen. Oh, yeah. it was one of the biggest Marvel movies. Anyway, uh, yeah, and yeah. and uh, I enjoyed that movie. I, I watched you know watched it several times. We reviewed it, and, and I was positive about it. Loved it. But now watching this movie, I try to put myself into like Trey's position or you know uh, Doughboys, and and you think, okay, if Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, was in theaters right now. Sure, I could see them watching it and seeing it's okay, but now I can't imagine sitting them them sitting it with the life that they have and they're doing every day with this terrible situation constantly living in and the stress they live in going to the theater and watching Tommy Lee Jones and you know this white guy on screen being relatable in any way that would feel like that's a whole other person's world sure. and then they go back and try to walk home not getting shot, getting chased, getting run down you know, pulled over, you know, that's not a thing. But then you watch something like the black Panther and you realize 
you know, someone who's similar to you and you could see and relate with having superhero and living that world. Wow. That makes that like a well, whole different the, perspective. Right. And the, and the things about Killmonger that really annoyed me probably would not bother that kind of an audience. I, I would venture to guess that uh, anybody, you know, living in an even vaguely similar situation to what's portrayed in this movie. Exactly. Um, right. Would be completely sympathetic to his claim you know come to wakanda and is like you guys have been here this whole time yeah hiding out yeah and 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 our our people our brothers and sisters are out there living this life like and you're just letting it happen right 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 and and, and now that sentence means like the boys in the hood right and and, mm-hmm. and now you have all it gives me all this this movie did this like it gives me a whole kind of different perspective of different that perspective, character that yeah. you just said or the whole thing and now it makes that movie enhanced and that's not the point of boys in the hood clearly but the idea of appreciation sure. and understanding that perspectives in the world are different and we just don't understand them and a lot of us are going you and i are going on and on about this perspective that we are changing but it, as i said in the spoiler section this isn't just a movie for anyone who's not an african-american it's a hundred percent for the people who also are african-americans because it is it feels almost for them as well right yeah for to how they for, to for, how they for an they treat community. each other to how they conduct their lives like i hope i hope that there are african-american people who can watch this movie and feel this is a weird way to say this but feel good about their lives and their situations being better than just a couple decades ago. Well, and and also for for someone like me or you or anyone else to also realize that we have a lot more to do um, to be better human beings to different communities that aren't ours, not just African Americans, but you know Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans, and and how we yeah. need to be realize that there are still very much this kind of things out there today in our world across city from us and. We need to be open to the eyes to that and what our parts in those roles and what we can do to help and be better human beings and accepting and caring in honest ways. Um, yeah. And, and we got to struggle with that stuff. Um, and we still are. So, yeah, it's a big thing. But Boys and Hood, great. Definitely top 100. I'd even go yep. top 50 for the way it, it helped me see a lot of things and. I still got a lot, of sure. a lot to go. Sure. Okay, so yeah. moving forward, what do we got here next week? Are we going to go back to that big one that we kind of skipped for this one? We thought about doing yeah. an epic yeah. one. This is from 2001. It's called Lagan. Lagan. Okay. I don't know anything Once about upon this. A, Once Upon a Time in India. Yeah. The subtitle. Okay. All right. Uh, is it, uh, I'm going to say it again. I know we had a discussion about uh, Bollywood films. Is it a Bollywood film? Okay. The, the genre on IMDb says adventure drama musical oh feels Bollywood-ish. so so when when just like a disney cartoon from the 90s the action in the movie stops for a big music video just just be that's probably gonna happen <laughs> i've never okay. seen this i don't know anything about it but it has the musical tag so that's my expectation going in got it uh, i should have had that when i watched bahu bali remember how they had vh1 right, right. movies in the middle of it so the 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 uh, summary here says the people of a small village in Victorian India stake their future on a game of cricket against their ruthless British rulers. Okay. So there's a, it's a period piece, right? Cool. Yeah. Um, right. All right. 
I'm always surprised at new things and don't know what they are or not heard of them. So, so, so this might also be a sports movie. Okay. Because <laughs> because cricket, cricket, right? right cricket. Okay. Yeah. Right, three three. You said three and a half hours. Uh, th- three forty-five. It says. Holy moly! Okay, maybe there's yeah, an intermission is, I have to do in this one. Yeah, this is going to be at least two sittings for me, probably. Okay. All right. We'll we'll give it a shot. I'm I'm. I said always like new things and get this coming up. Cool, man. Cool. Hopefully not quite as intense as. Yeah. This was this last one was was eye-opening and intense. So hopefully it'll be epic in in a good way. But who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think that's good for this week. We. Yeah, had a yeah. lot going on, a lot to talk about here. We'll, we'll move on That's to good. some of our our normal topics. I know that uh, Lower Decks starts this week. Oh yeah, yeah, the new animated Star Trek. There's also uh, a season two of the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, which I think we'll get to at some point. Hey man, new media. Can you believe that? It's 2020, and we yeah. got some new media. Crazy. That new isn't shows. tennis. That's not. Yeah, the will only. I was going to say not animated. One of them is animated, but. Uh, <laughs> right 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 okay all cool, right you cool. you've been listening to the front porch this is episode 154 thanks as always to our friends at geek scholars movie news and lrm online uh if you have questions comments feedback tell us stuff that we're that we're wrong about we want to we want to learn and improve and grow as people uh you can contact us on our website frontporchpodcast.com contact forms there you can also email us directly, frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks, as always, for listening. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. With Front Porch. Hi, everybody. See you next time.